Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Happy birthday, Zoe. We love you. And try not to be such a winker this year. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on my first professional hotel roommate, my first line mate, <laughs> a Kelly Cup champion. <laughs> Um, about a 15 year pro. There's a couple years at the end. We're unsure about we'll have to talk about. He played in the AHL. Parts unknown, bud. Parts unknown. (laughs) The (laughs) AHL, the East coast, the U-Haul, the cocktail hockey league, and the EIHL. Mike, the destroyer. Scroy. How are you? Big guy. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't heard that one in a minute. Good buddy. Good. (laughs) (laughs) um so thanks for coming on man um we haven't seen each other since literally my my first month of pro hockey when i went for a cup of tea in the ahl with syracuse um at the end of my college career and uh (laughs) that you were there uh, as well and we were put in the same hotel room together yeah i do a syracuse a great place too. fun and fun times man things were a little bit different back then Oh, hockey was a bit different back then, and uh, we were a different age, too. Um, <laughs> so, um, I guess, first, what are you doing now? I, I have a good idea, but why don't you tell the listeners? Well, I'm coaching hockey and fighting right now, so I'm a full-time developmental instructor, So, and I have a pretty wide range of what I'm doing right now. So, with my hockey players, I've been working with a lot of the young athletes in Orlando, Florida, you know, trying to get guys to the NHL, college level, everything. You know, I even have like a mite program here that I work with. And then the second part of my life is uh, I'm the head striking instructor at Fusion XL, which is one of the top mixed martial arts gyms in the world. We actually have two guys fighting on this huge card. And uh, 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 Rodolfo Fierro and uh, Philip Rowe are both our Fusion XL guys. are fighting this weekend uh, on the UFC on Saturday. So, and then I'm going to be going with Hannah Goldie to, uh, to, to on March 27th, I'll be going to Vegas with her. So, so you're, yeah. you're somewhat, <laughs> you're somewhat busy and you're, you're a a bit, yeah. off of that too, right? Yeah. De- you know, dedicated father with, you know, me and my, my little man are best friends. So I'm also, you know, highly involved in his minor hockey and his development, um, getting married in two weeks, I don't know, a dog, a cat. I don't know, man. It's a lot going on right now. <laughs> uh, so getting married in two weeks. So uh, is, what's the restrictions around there? Or is it just you can kind of have a wedding and do do, do it? Oh, yeah, man. We're, we're, uh, 
it's crazy. I didn't think it would ever happen to me, but there's someone actually, this, this girl's a lot like me and, and I, man, she's just, she's awesome. She's fucking a lot smarter than I am too, which helps. That's really good. So, but we're, uh, yeah, we're excited. We got our first, our first day got pushed back in last March and COVID. So now our new day is February 27th. So we've been, we've been buzzing around waiting for it. So just, just around the corner now. Wow. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. That's great. Um, okay. So I guess, uh, where should we start? What, well, we did, what are you doing now? Which that is very impressive being the lead instructor of, um, a strike for striking at a gym like that. Um, as well as the hockey resume you have, that's pretty incredible. Um, I know you, you know, you were working at your striking, at least when I first got to Syracuse, but my first, uh, my first uh, experience in professional hockey was I went into the into the basement there in Syracuse to uh, where the workout, where the gym was, and there was a heavy bag. And I walk in first day, you know, first practice with the big boys. And then uh, you were uh, doing like roundhouse kicks, flying <laughs> elbows, and I w- – and you were literally like a foot taller than me and a hundred pounds heavier than me. And I was like, where in the hell am I? I'm going to get killed out here. Well, I was, you know, I could play a little bit of hockey, but I realized once I got to that level, well, I, I, I truly enjoy it too, obviously not just enjoy it, but I do love it. Like it's a passion of mine. Uh, obviously it's a, it's a big passion of mine because I'm, I'm very committed to, to being a, you know one of the best striking coaches out there. Um, and and even when I was playing, it was a it was just a it was a goal of mine. I wanted to be the best, and and you know I'm a pretty technical guy, believe it or not. A lot of guys think, by the way, you know they see me. I'm pretty temperamental when I compete, but uh, to be honest with you, I'm very analytical outside of outside of the competitive atmosphere. So I'm, I'm very detailed with my instructions and the way I go about being being technically sound at things, body mechanics, the whole nine yards. So. Um, yeah, cause, but I guess it wasn't like, I got into watching UFC around like the very first ultimate fighter season. Um, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, where most people did, but like, I hadn't seen it yet or I had just started to see it around then. And when I, you know, got out of practice and I was like, wow. And then we were line mates and like, there were times, um, cause like when you're on the ice, the other team is going to put the other big guy on the ice. A lot so, of times. Right. Yeah. So then I was on the ice with both of the big guys and <laughs> I, there were some times where I was skating around with like a little turd in my, uh, my, in my, yeah, in my but, pants. But if no fights are going down, man, you're good. Like I got you. You know what I mean? Like you're not, nobody's going to touch you. <laughs> you can hear about it. <laughs> well, that's very, you know, it's it was, like, I knew I was protected. I knew I was fine. It was just, I couldn't believe the size you guys, like you guys were uh, like, so much bigger than anything I had ever played against. And it, it I was, was a small, I was a, technically a small heavyweight too. I mean, I'm a shade under six, four. It's not what the program says, but I'm a shade under six, four. And most of my, you know, I, I had some big boy years, you know, over the, in between two thirty and the one year that I got finally got up to two forty. but it's not, it was hard for me to get there. And I mean, I was waking up in the middle of the night, eating protein shake, like just anything, 11,000 calories a day in the off season. Like I did some crazy shit. And, you know, but some of these guys were naturally so big, like six, eight, like 260 eating salads, you know, like it was wild, you know, but I had a bit of an edge. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm fast for a, for a big guy. 
and I'm really aggressive when I fight. So I was able to, I was able to beat a lot of guys for that punch. And really you can get as technical as you want and clutching and grabbing. And there's obviously we did a lot of technique when it came to grabbing, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it's who hits the fastest, who hits the hardest and who has the less, least amount of resistance getting from point A to point B. So. Um, well, I had this down for later on in the episode, but I may as well bring it up <laughs> now is, uh, is like when I did arrive there and I met you and I met sugar Brandon Sugden, who was, I believe he was injured and that's how you ended up there. I, if I'm not mistaken, Possibly, um, yeah. but anyways, you, there were both of you two, there were other fighters, but I saw how you guys all helped each other after practice. You guys would all be teaching each other techniques. You'd yep. all be helping each other. And yep. it was just like anything else, but you guys almost helped each other more than normal hockey players. Like, normal hockey players kind of try and keep their tricks to themselves right well it's a little different like you know I, I feel like a lot of us could sense that things were the game was changing a little bit and you know it went from it went from team to it went from like craziness in the 70s to like team toughness with a couple of awesome players in the 80s and then it got like then the real stuff started happening where guys figured out they could make a lot of money if they were good at it or they were big so there was a, it got, it got skilled and dangerous, more dangerous, real fast. You know, people talk about um, the comparisons. Oh, could this guy have lasted in this era and this guy last in this era? No, there's just like, I'll put that conversation to rest. Anybody wants to talk to me about it, you go right ahead. Like, just, no, the, the guys were getting so big and so good and they were practicing their jobs. They weren't just crazy men. Like these guys are professional, like Yablonski, there's, you know, Bugard, McIntyre. These guys had boxing coaches. They're, you know, top morality. They were top quality guys. And like when it came to fighting, they were taking it seriously. And guys were starting to get hurt and guys were getting bigger. So, you know, that crossover, we, we tried to help each other as much as we possibly could because we knew that, that not necessarily that our days were numbered. I never thought it would come to where it is right now. But certainly we're going we're gonna to sort of keep it within ourselves and just try to, because without somebody to help you sharpen iron, you're not going to get any better either. So you, you kind of want to be pushing. It's no different than two power play guys passing pucks to each other in one time and after practice, same thing. So. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what I saw. And I was a very naive kid leaving college. Like I had, you know, I was always on the top lines as a little guy and like <laughs> – in college, there was there weren't those roles of fighters, right? And I had played junior B before that, where the tough guys were like the neighborhood farm boy. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like when I got to Syracuse and like I moved into the hotel Rose, room with you and like I saw how big you were and I was like, where the am I like what whoa like I'm playing hockey with him and then we were line mates and then they'd sick out the other big guy and you guys would line up beside each other and I'd be watching you guys more than like I'd even be thinking about playing because you guys were small, way more that was a small one I well you guys were way guy. more entertaining than us <laughs> <laughs> we had to it's the only way you can make it again I, I I could play a little bit but I realized on a world level where where it well i mean that's not again that's not why i did it. i did it because i loved it that's a, that's a problem that a lot of the guys had and 
why a lot of guys ended up turning to drugs that did my job, you know, or, or that weren't able to kind of hack it mentally is because they were so big, but eventually you, you, eventually you get to the league where you're going to find 10 guys that are that big or 10 guys, you're paying guys million, you know, LaRock, we got some of these guys are making a million dollars a year. You know, that's a lot of money. People taking that pretty damn seriously, you know, uh, I mean, that's, that's some real shit. Once you start talking about that kind of money or that kind of status, you know, I want to be the best in the world. That was a job. You know, I tried to be. Um, um, okay. Well, what I've done with other guys when they've came on here is kind of uh, go through their career kind of chronologically. So uh, basically. How, must, how have did, a, must have a long show, eh? No, seriously. We've already been into it for a while. So like, just give me a quick one here. Um, how'd you get into hockey? And then did you go OHL or college? Uh, I was, I was actually really, really, I was a pretty solid little player when I was a kid. So I grew up in, I was born in Toronto, but I was raised in Calgary and, you know, all the way up through minor hockey in Calgary, I was always the second best kid all the way in Calgary. Everybody plays, everybody plays. And so I ended up playing for team Alberta, um, in the Vancouver super series a couple of years, which is, I, don't, I heard it's still going on. It's like NHL alumni is like crazy. Um, and then it was weird. It was like, it was literally right as puberty hit it was like i was actually kind of a nice kid sweetheart you know toe dragging guys high-fiving my teammates and then puberty hit and i just wanted to fuck shit up <laughs> like that's just that's that's where it was at for me so i and and that was a weird a weird road through junior hockey i think i played on uh close to 10 junior teams as well so i, I played on a lot of different teams uh, and I jumped around junior, so juniors in, in, uh, in the States. So, and then my very last year, uh, we weren't sure that if I was going to try to get in the draft or what I was going to do. So I ended up playing, almost played for the Windsor Spitfires, but I ended up playing in their farm team, uh, Tecumseh in that little horseshoe league. And I got a full ride to, uh, or 90% ride to, uh, UMass Lowell. So I actually played in hockey East for a, for a year. I had 50 goals. I played with Kyle Wellwood. I mean, I was, I, I can score a little bit too. Um, and then my, uh, the university thing, I guess, let's just say it wasn't my brand to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and I could see that, but, uh, that, yeah, no, that sidetracked me there. I had something else to say. Um, geez, but like, I can oh, I, like I have seen you play though. Um, and I also noticed like not to push it ahead cause I forgot my train of thought, but, like oh, there, there were years where uh you had like almost a point a game in the coast yeah like yeah. and i'm i'm i can picture it because i can see you being a big guy that's fast and i could see guys being very intimidated of you in that league and you being I, able, little, I used to get a little things a little well, bit yeah i could see you just taking it right to the net most i was unfortunate most coaches didn't see it you know and, and again it kind of screwed me to have skill um, I didn't really learn the hitting part of the game until the second half of my career. So if I had taken a look, so the way that I approach most hockey games, cause I, I love to score. I just, I was a stubborn, stubborn, stubborn kid. Um, and I say kid like <laughs> 33, 34, I'm still a kid. I wanted to do things my way. Uh, maybe it was the only way I could have got shit done. I don't know, but that's, how I wanted to do things was my way. Um, and my way was I'll fight anybody and then show people I have skill. And there's not really a, a place on the team for somebody like that. And that's one of the reasons that I, I kind of, I never, I fit into the role 
um, with protecting my teammates. I was, I was always that, that was always something that everyone loved about me. That was always first on my, on my list, but it wasn't until the second half of my career that I learned how to, how to get fights if nobody wanted to fight me. It took me a while to figure that out. And I wish I had learned that a little sooner. I would have been able to do my job a little bit better in, in some of my physically prime years. So I, that was actually one of the things I was going to ask is when you said you were younger, you're like to F shit up. Um, is that because oh, sorry, my swearing, my swearing, no, no, it's all good. I'm just, I'm just doing it for like my, you know, like I, I swear I'm just, no, like if, no, I fuck I'm around fighting. No, it's all day. good, man. Um, no, it's, uh, like the 10 teams in junior, like, so how does that happen? Like, how do you, how, how do you, but like what, what spurs a switch so many times? Like, is it a trade or is it a cut or is it, I want to leave? How does that happen? So many yeah, times? Like, honestly, at the end of the day, it was, man, I just was not easy to deal with. And I was, it got better and I ended up turning it around a little bit too late. But um, I think my first real team guy year was when I was 28 years old so like I understood how to stick up for my team I understood a lot of stuff but I did there was maturity issues that I didn't want to look at um because essentially I'm, I'm not you know I'm not an evil person that wants to hurt people like that's not who I am but you do sort of have to create an alter ego when you're you know I tell this to, to people all the time about the difference between MMA fighters and hockey fighters and hockey fighters we just had a tougher job because we didn't have, oh, it's, you know, June 12th and then we can fight this night. It might be, the fight itself might be tougher, but then you can just screw off for another six weeks after that. In hockey, you may fight a guy, some monster human being, and you may have to fight him again the same game, let alone tomorrow's game or whoever the next guy's game is. Like staying ready is 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 really what drives most of the most guys crazy you have to love what you do in order to be intact mentally when you leave the game uh from the from an enforcer's job there's no doubt so well and the the part where like you said there were guys making a million dollars like when you think about what other guys make to not do that like the guys that are making six seven million that don't have to do that what an easier job because that job is way harder and the anxiety you have to deal with and, or not, I don't know if you dealt with that, but yeah. like, I've talked to guys that every, have, all the, anyone, anyone says they doesn't, every, anyone that says they didn't is lying straight through your teeth. We all have to deal with it. That's why crazy doesn't really, you got to be a little crazy, but crazy doesn't get you any kind of longevity. Longevity gives you credibility, like consistency in your job gets you credibility. Like, there's tons of guys that jumped in for, you know, a few years that just knocked the shit out of guys. And then you never heard from them again. Very few people did what we do for over 10 years, steady, consistent winning rates, always ready to battle for your team. Like that's, that's a whole different level of commitment that I, I think in my you know personal opinion, I think it requires love for the job without the love for the job. You, you, you turn to different avenues to, to try to, to try to make things. Okay. So it's um, unfortunate. Yeah, no, it's like when you think about how many hockey games there are in a season and every team back when we were in Syracuse in 2005 there, like legit, every team we played had at least 
a guy, let alone three to five guys. Like there were some teams where there were three to four guys. And like, I'm not saying that's taking away jobs from guys like me, like it is now, because (laughs) I actually thought hockey was more entertaining then. Like I really did. I, I thought it was better. Not not hard to see that. You know, like you you watch, yeah, you watch regular season games now. Like my goodness, like it's like taking a sleeping pill. It's like men's league, buddy. It's like, it's like the most skilled men's league you've ever seen in your entire life. And I, you know, I'm trying to coach against that. I'm trying to develop against that. You know, I'm, um, my niche down here is I do contact clinics and that's, uh, as well as the I mean, Florida needs a lot of work, you know, as far as, but it's not the stone ages anymore. we got a lot of great players down here. I've turned out some fantastic triple A kids. We got a couple of kids in the national, they're going to the national program for sure that are down here playing. There's, there's some real in Tampa too, some real talent down here. Um, what they lack is instruction and just like a lot of kids, but it is really, it's a, you know, that's the, that's the niche right there is, is the contact, you know, teaching people how to, how to, how to, you know, the game is so soft today and every time it goes too soft, someone's going to come in, put together a team of tougher dudes and run through shit. And then everyone's going to copy that team. It's going to happen. It's cyclical. It always does in the NHL. I feel like it's like a, 10-year motion it's going to make a comeback because there's no way that we can watch what we're watching out here now and go i could put some animals together and do some work against these guys and it's going to happen you get it may not happen tomorrow but it's going to happen i like i i couldn't agree more with you like if you put together a team of say the guys that were in the ahl in 2005 i like I'm not even, you could put together one top line for when you have a power play and maybe give yourself four, four penalty killers, but you put together the top fighters in 2005 on a team, say about eight of them, and you put them all on a team and you play the Toronto Maple Leafs. See if Matthews takes a shift. (laughs) Here's, here's the, here's the hierarchy. Here's the best way you can do this. And I've, I've given this a little bit of thought. Obviously, I'm actually I would love to create this this, you know, uh, in the next 15, 20 years. But um, uh, the, 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 the time of the heavyweight enforcer is completely over. And and that might be a good thing in some respects, not necessarily not guys were getting so big and so tough and there was no weight limits and guys were learning how to transfer weight more and punch it. And like, there's somebody going to die. It was just, I, I really think, I, I hate saying it, but man, like these guys that you have, I love the fact that I think the game is turning to a guy like Ryan Reeves. I love how everybody hates Tom Wilson. I think he's one of the most valuable players in the NHL right now. You put that guy on your team. He's out there every night, hitting, agitating, fighting guys, punching guys. You can't do anything. Tom Wilson would be half of a factor 15 years ago in the NHL because one of us would have scared him absolutely shitless and he wouldn't do half of the half of the things he does to put teams on their heels. Now, he's actually a very talented guy, very talented hitter, great timing, good, but again, half is effective. Guys like Marshawn, the pests. The pests was why we were brought in to play in the first place to deal with the, the dirtiness the and Steve the ugly Ots. stuff. Yeah, we'll take care of it. You guys play hockey. So you want to create yourself a fantastic hockey team, you get yourself one absolute killer heavyweight that's ready to go less than 10 times a year because that's not ever going to happen anymore. And then the rest of the guys 
are just monster hitters that are ready to throw the mitts. You got like six or seven guys that are like Rick Ripian guys or like, you know, Cam Jansen type dudes just running guys and then have one, one and a half lines of super skill guys. You got yourself an NHL contender right away. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're not, you're, 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 you're not crazy. You're, Mark my words. No, you're right. Like I was over in the UK when Cam Jansen and all the boys started coming over. Right. And like they, uh, they impacted the game drastically, right? Like when Cam was on the ice, you had to know he was on the ice, especially in the little bar. Darcy Hordachuk. Was in the little barns we played over there, man. Like you, if Cam Jansen's on the ice, you better know he's on the ice with you because it's a small barn and he's coming. Yeah, you could be, I mean, every, if he's on the ice with you in an Olympic barn, you, you better have your head up because he's wheeling and he's going to, you know, the, the, again, uh, again, an old buddy of mine, Darcy Hordachuk was another one. Um, Trevor Gillies, like you don't, it wasn't just about the fighting. It was, again, that's what I was talking about earlier about, about making people getting teams to, because eventually guys were like, we're not, we don't want to fight you. Screw Like guys didn't want to fight. Obviously the top guys were were cool i was always asking i I wanted to fight every game but uh what came to me a little bit too late was man if i just hit these guys instead of scoring goals they're gonna their their coach it's gonna embarrass their fighter or embarrass their team so bad that even the guy that doesn't want to fight me has got to fight me and then i kick the piss out of him and then my team is even more inspired like it's just a way to get your get that edge up on the competition um and the mental game, the mental game. That's, that's most of it. So um, mental game's huge. It doesn't matter what uh, position you are. You know, it doesn't matter if you think you're a scorer, if you think you're a fighter, the mental game's huge, but okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I would like a story now because I saw your elite. <laughs> I, I saw your elite prospects today when I was checking it out before we chatted and it said, that you didn't play a year, you came back and played two games, then you didn't play a year, I think, and then you came back and played one game for the Orlando Solar Bears, where you play now. Yep. So if I'm can I if I'm gonna guess what happened is that you're living in Orlando, somebody did something dirty to one of their top players, or there was somebody coming to town. I'm guessing somebody got hurt. And they said, Mike, can you please come defend our team and our town? You live here. Can you please come out and kick the shit out of somebody? Uh, uh, so there was, so there's, I played for the Solar Bears for four or five, parts of four or five years. I, I even was a help, I did assistant coaching consultant, bid with them too. Um, what you just explained was to a, to, to, to a T exactly what happened the very last the very last, but I was actually coaching with the team. I was a consultant. I was in there when the guys went on the road, I would run them in practice. Um, uh, the guys that were left over, um, there was two or three guys, Michael Turner. I was teaching him how to fight. I was giving him boxing lessons afterwards. Anybody that wanted extra work, I was there. I was there at all the games. Um, you know, uh, Drake, uh, Anthony Noreen, um, all the coaches that they had, like, like, you know, they, I was here in Florida, but you know, uh, before the big, development you know uh, uh ross DeVoe bought them uh they could pay me a little bit more i wasn't so structured and you have a guy with my experience level around these young kids in a game that's 
so soft and so different. They wanted my influence around and it was really cool. And a lot of it, you know, nobody was ever going to fight me, but the very last, the one that was one game, I'm actually quite proud of the statistic that last year, I think I was 39. I had only, I played two hockey games in a year and a half. So a year and a half had gone by and there was two times I laced up my, my skates to play. One was a men's league game for the Lions hockey. And the other one was a professional hockey game where the last game and the, the last three games of the season were against Florida. The placements had already been, had already been, uh, the playoff placements had already been set. The second to last game, they ran Massa, which is the only reason why the Solar Bears were in the playoffs is because this goalie, they hurt him. So he's out for the first round of playoffs against Florida. One game in Florida left. And I got a call, Drake, Drake. Uh, actually, I was actually at, at the game and I was livid. And I walked in the room and Drake's like, you want to lace him up tomorrow? And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, okay. 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 So you're part of the coaching staff. They hurt your, your goalie that get you yeah. to the playoff. And you're about to play the same team in the, like, basically a doesn't matter game. And you decide yeah. to lace them up again. So yeah. what happens yeah. in that game? So I, I warm up without a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida, like literally outside their locker room practicing my boxing. And uh, cause I'm actually, you know, these guys are like, they treat me, they treated me so well. Like every time when I was playing, they were so happy that I was there. Cause the second that I'm sitting on the bench, like it's the first time kids that age actually got to feel what it was like to have a guy like me sitting on the end of the bench and nobody wanting to make a hit on the other team. I don't even have to get a fucking shift. I'm just sitting there and the other team's like, did you look at this fucking scoring? And that's, and, and all of a sudden nobody's throwing hits on our guys. And these kids that have just heard stories about this kind of stuff are, they treat me great. And some of the older guys are my buddies too. So like, <laughs> It's just, it was wild. It was really cool. Anyways, so I, <laughs> I warm up without a stick. <laughs> so they had this one guy and his name, I can't remember what it was, number eight, Goody or something like that. So he had his, he had fought five times against the, the Solar Bears that year. And every single guy he had fought, like this guy's like a 200 minute a year guy. Every single guy he had fought had had 20 goals or more and had like less than three or four career fights. You get five fucking guys in his fight card that were skill guys. And like, and he was, he was pivotal in, in that. So now I didn't realize that, but at the last minute they pulled him from the lineup and I didn't know that. So I just stood and yelled at the red line. Where's your tough guy now, boys? Who wants it? And I didn't have a stick. I just was standing. My team was warming up and you could tell that their coach told them, do not engage him because no one even looked at me like I'm yelling at the top of my lungs the referees are out there like it's completely legal right like I can do that I'm not I'm not crossing the red line I can do whatever and they're they're literally not looking at me running their their normal warm-ups and they're doing it like inside the blue line so none of them had to get close to me it was absolutely priceless and then I mean they they we had like it was bad they, they beat us it was like six to not five to nothing and you could tell they got a little worried about pumping up the score because they knew my drake was playing me every other shift i almost scored like three times it was ridiculous and then and then like I, every scrum i was going in there like and they just parting like the red sea and then finally we, i finally got into it somebody hit somebody and i was like all right second period it's time to go so i grab this guy give him a couple 
and the referees who obviously were very aware of the situation, like legitimate, legitimately football tackle me. And I got three referees, like referee and two linesmen holding me back while I'm losing my stuff. And this other guy's punching me in the face. It was, it was ridiculous. Was that my dog barking? Hold on. Oh, sorry, my dog's going a little nuts outside. Uh, no worries. We're, I think we can be almost done here. Like, I, I don't need to keep you too long. Um, but basically, like, when you guys were in your prime in the AHL back when I first got to pro, man, it was a jungle out there, man. And I, I don't know how you guys did it. I, I couldn't imagine how you guys lived that way. Like how, like I lived in the hotel with you and I know you had a few like late nights before, like, and I was like, a lot of late nights when I was younger. Well, I was like, how do you do it? How do you, how, like, how could you do it? But like you said, you love it, right? This is, this is one of the things, hold on. My dog's going absolutely bananas out here. Sorry, buddy. No, that's all right. In there. You crazy boy. You relax. Sorry. (laughs) It's all good. Well, I don't, um, uh, there's, uh, you got to know, it was weird. Like you're not, you got to test yourself all the way up. And that's sort of what I did and I, every, at every step. It was like, I really wanted it. I just wanted it. And if I ever lost or if something ever didn't go my way, I would make sure that I did something to, to make it go my way. And that's how you got to love something in order to, to focus on the details or to push yourself so much that you hate that thing. And that's, that's the love-hate relationship between all fighters. Um, and it still attracts me. I mean, I'm 42 years old. I, I get the itch every now and again, but thank God I'm doing what I'm doing because that, that's what gives me the, that's what gives me like the somewhat satisfaction that it's just who I am. I'm just a fiery dude. Um, everything I do is with a ton of passion. You know, I mean, that's just who I am. And that just, that's, that job was made for me. That job was made for me it really was and i loved it and i'm not saying it was hard and i'm not saying it but i i don't remember like even losing fights and stuff like that was terrible but i i remember every single one of those years you know you see all these documentaries and you know bob prover and all these terrible 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 documentaries and all these guys it's like you know what dude some of us went out partied fought everybody played a pro sport kicked ass high fives retired like some this is awesome to some of us it was hard to do and that's what made it so attractive was so it was so difficult to do so risky because you weren't people guys you know we don't make it out on the other side very easy to being a cop or something like not the job you want to be in like when you look at mortality rates and stuff man there's a lot of fighters that have off themselves or bad and they're this isn't but souls climbing mountains that's risky as hell why is that like you know what i mean like this is just some people are attracted to that kind of stuff and that's what i am i'm attracted i was attracted to it and i loved it with a passion i even i even loved it the style i loved it so much that i worked on that shit so much now now i'm going to the ufc as a fight coach now like it's just it's carrying on with me forever so and and what i gotta say to that is what's (laughs) what's ridiculous is you're that passionate about fighting and striking and everything and man i couldn't be prouder of you for what you're doing in orlando for all those kids i see what you're doing in your garage i see what you're doing on the ice and i see thank you yeah no man i i i see the kids and i'm like wow there weren't kids like that in orlando when i was growing up 
Um, <laughs> and I had a guy from St. Louis the other week that he's doing the same thing in St. Louis. You're doing the same thing on Orlando. And it's like, Jeepers creepers, man. They're like, the US, <laughs> the US is coming. Um, but yeah. anyways, uh, there was something else I was going to say, and I totally forget what it was. Um, I go off on tangents a lot, so it's easy to lose your train of thought talking to me. But <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, no, but it's, uh, it's been awesome to have you on, man. And like, realistically, My pleasure. Um, like, this is the hockey community, and this is like, Guys like you, like the fighters, like for some reason, a guy like me <laughs> always uh, became friends with the, the fighters. And I don't know why that was, but like, I appreciated what you guys did. Um, That's what it is. Right. And like, I you, know, you said it earlier, we were talking about guys making $7 million a year. You know, and there are the guys that, oh, it's such an, it's a much easier job. And you're right. It was, but I can tell you the first person patting your back buying you a beer at the bar the first person to have your to have your back as a fighter is that guy that's making seven million i can promise you that yeah i don't i've never heard of an old like a, an old time not even old time i'm not that old like you know 10 years ago like i don't those guys took care of guys like us like they appreciated skilled guys appreciated what we did and that's that's way better you know they, they try to take us out of the game and forget we even existed man it hurts your feelings sometimes like i know a lot of buddies you know i got a lot of buddies i talk to still like they pretend like it's you know guys like this you know show, shows like this and spitting chiclets and other things you know enforcers you know some of us are keeping it alive you know and i appreciate that a lot i do well so like, not, like not forget who we are no like and and for me is like i watch games now and like i'm like how do you even watch the regular season games like all it is is like just passing it around and loop de doop and you know, and like well, there's I a lot was, of skill, but no fire. A lot of skill, no fire. There is no fire, and it. You know what? Like man, when I played with you, you had so much fire. I, I was like, shit, I gotta find some fire because these guys, these guys <laughs> are bringing it every night, and I like, I'm just, I just trying to play, and I'm like. Like, and that, but like, for me, I was just so disoriented because I had been playing college and I had never seen it. I had never even been in the OHL. Accountability is accountability is an interesting thing in university. So you play university hockey. You don't have to be accountable for being a dickhead, right? Like a second, second. That's why so many of those guys, that's why you never know how university guys back in there in the day, because they used to run around like crazy, how they were going to react once they got to pro hockey. Cause some of them were running around doing all this shit. And then all of a sudden you got to, you know, one of our guys breathing down your neck, you're not so so easy to play your game, which is a little difficult. So, you know. Uh, well, for me, I learned very quickly. I did a couple things in pro, <laughs> like just a couple. I did about two or three things where I realized very quickly that year. Not you, acceptable. It does not matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. There is somebody coming to kill you. And it doesn't matter how big you are. If you do something dirty, you're going to get killed. And the game is not like that anymore. Because nobody even does anything now. Like, everybody just goes into the corner and, like, hugs each other. You guys are getting out of the way now. Like, awesome. I don't even talk about the least. But, you know, it kills me. And I watched Don Cherry, who, I man, I wish he could have just thought about his comment a little bit more when he called the Carolina guys jerks. But what I wish he would have said was, Man, how do we go from like 
putting it all on the line and having a little fire and hating the guy you play against to choreographed dancing after games. Like I'm not saying, yeah, sure. It's great for the kids. We're not playing a sport that, that is like great for the kids. Like you want to market it. That's fine. But that's not what the conception of the game was about. That's not what the game was ever about was being everybody family can watch it. It's not even about that. It's about the competitors, about the players, the players determine what the game's about, not the people that are trying to manipulate it with the media and what you should watch. And Hey, if we can sell four tickets instead of one for a family, we're going to make more money. And that's what it turns in. Now everyone's buddy, buddy tapping each other on the shin pads. Hey, buy you a soda after the game. I'll start with it just, it looks, it's awful to me. It's just, and I, I'm not going to bring up, you know, I'll, I'm always going to encourage sportsmanship, but I'm never going to encourage that kind of stuff ever. So not in games where you're making millions of dollars. It's contact ridiculous. So ridiculous. I, 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 I totally <laughs> agree with you. Like I, I couldn't agree with you more because um, like that, it's all in a contact sport. All of that pays a price. And like, I'm in an area now, I live in Concord, Ontario, which is by Godrich. It's where Ryan O'Reilly's from. And like, when you think about why the blues won, it's because they were bigger and right. tougher than the rest of them. They were bigger and tougher and they than were the rest of the simple. teams. You know what else I loved about Bruby? You watch their systems and it's just so awesome that they just dusted guys like Babcock and whatever. They're like all these guys trying to play hockey, like it's football. Like you got to be here with the X's and X's and drop down and do all these crazy. Shit. And they're like, shit, man, don't turn the puck over at blue lines. <laughs> Keep your man inside the zone. Fucking get the puck deep, two man on, take away the wall. Like that's some simple, like St. Louis had some pretty simple, some pretty simple philosophies. That Baru and it's so awesome how there was guys that are really trying to X and O the game to death, and and I'm glad that they paid a price for it in the in those short couple of years where they found out it's not football, shit ain't football. You can't you can't draw. You got to feel flow out there. No, yeah, you definitely do. It's just kind of like a podcast. And I tell you, man, I've been flowing with you since we started. <laughs> like, man, this has been great. Um, do you, uh, but like do you have i'm trying to think on my notes here um i did want to bring up like before we end this i know we've been going a bit here but like there was a time okay we're both playing for syracuse i'm not sure if we're hotel roommates at the time or not because we would uh switch hotel rooms like uh like a russian hooker but, yeah I'm not sure. <laughs> um like i'd be with a different guy every day every week you never knew like you know if they clean the toilet, if they won. But, <laughs> uh, so we go play the Toronto Marlies. I don't know if we win or lose, but I think me and you have about two to three shifts. Like me and you are the fourth line where in the AHL, there's no centerman. So they basically play three lines. And if they feel like mixing one in, they'll mix you guys in <laughs> for one. So we got mixed in accurate. for like, yeah, you got mixed in for you two better or do three. something in one of those three shifts. Otherwise you ain't figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, if you don't do anything in those two shifts, you're done for the night. So then on the way back though, this is not a hockey story. Sorry. I'm burping in the mic, but on the way back, you, uh, you were like, boys, I got a few DVDs in the bag. Um, and it was not like a new bus now. It was like the one where there's like three, four TVs where the whole team can see. 
like coaches, trainers, everybody. And there were a few DVDs we watched, but one was you um, in like an MMA fight in the desert where there was about, <laughs> where there was about 10 guys gambling around the octagon and um it was just doing some change, dude buddy. fighting so um there was that one then you were in the pay-per-view hockey fighting championships where you got robbed in a decision and Rob, there was robbed is robbed is strong i a lot of people think i won it was close it wasn't like i beat him up and it was a terrible decision it was a very close fight but I do believe I won. Yes. Okay. So no, I, you're right. Okay. No, yeah. So it's about 50, 50, but then there was also another one where we watched you bar fight in a ring in somewhere and they were paying you to knock guys out one after the other. I, I know you told me, I, we can't talk about this yet, but like, that's what I remember, and I got to put it out there because, oh, my gosh, right. it was a memory I'll never forget. That. I can talk about that. No, that's not a problem. No, that, those are my old Roxy fights, man. So they, uh, I've got uh, – at one point, I was keeping track. I, I lost track at a little over 100, but I think what it boils down to is I have around 200 unlicensed fights where – in the desert in a parking garage you know in a like and not not like okay we're just getting like an organized event just unlicensed so really i did some crazy shit you know and and this place was sort of where there was different places you can go across the state where you could fight you know just sign up throw gloves on and bang it out and i, I thought that was the proper and I, ever since i was 17 i had a fake id and I started going from place to place to place um, and, and getting those in. Uh, and I thought I was what I, I guess I was, was training. Uh, I thought it was mental toughness and I was learning how to fight and I was putting myself in tough situations and all that good kind of jazz. So that was me training to be a hockey fighter. Um, all the while, I'm turning myself into an off. I'm figuring shit out off ice that I didn't even realize was registering in my brain. And, uh, and finally, someone was like, hey bro you're pretty good at like this whole thing off the ice you should maybe try it like against some real dudes and do mma and all this stuff so i did and then i started just because of who i was and, and you know playing pro sports i was able to get on some of the top mma teams and just start banging it out with them and that was, that's the, that was the start that was the start of it man um, uh that's incredible man like that's uh yeah man like for like you're right the when you talk about the mortality rate the the job you guys had to do um and like how well you're doing now and how well i see you're doing now man like that's incredible so i i'm proud of you that's awesome you. um yeah i found something to pour my love into a lot of a lot of pro athletes when they get out of the game they they have a hard time matching that feeling of you know of ecstasy which is basically you know when they're playing out in the field you got 20,000 50,000 people who depending on what sport you play you know yelling for you all the time and then bam no one gives a shit about you right so like that can play a toll on, on, on someone's ego and someone's brain you know and can make you do dumb shit so well and it's also like there's the like hockey guys but then the fighters like the fighters like I didn't realize because I was in Syracuse for a very short time 
Then I went to Europe for a long time. It wasn't until I went to Cardiff when there was about five guys that would fight. You realize yeah. what they can do to a crowd and the fans, man. They love fighters. Like they, they, they worship them. Like it's not, and it's not like a normal player. Yeah, I do miss, you know, I miss that. I do the, you know, it was, people knew the goalie, the top scorer, and the fighter on every team. That's just the fans knew those three people. And then maybe a couple people have fallen in between, but you could ask them about the goalie, the fighter, and the top scorer. And that's what the fans are going to know. And that was like that for a long time. I, I you know, because you got to have a bit of an ego to do it because you got to think you're better than everybody else at it. Like you're always trying to be the best. So if, if you have any, if there's any room for it, if there's any doubt in your brain, you ain't lasting long. You better think and believe you're going to win every single time that you throw those gloves down. Otherwise, you're going to get mashed up pretty quickly. So, you know, that does help, you know, the recognition and, you know, um, certainly at the initial stages of it when you're hungry and just going after everybody instead of just defending your belt, you know. So, but yeah, all that stuff was, it's nice. It was, it was nice. You know, it was nice to be, to have your efforts recognized and your sacrifices recognized, you know, it was nice. Well, for players like me around the world, uh, we do, <laughs> we do appreciate guys like you. Um, and that's why I want to have you on is, you know, like realistically when you're a hockey player, it is not just, um, like the way you play hockey is it's your personality. It's your size. It's your speed expression. No, it's it's everything, right? Like it's everything you do. And me and you are, you we're we're different people. Like we, we are like you, you are like way tougher than me. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a little more skilled than I am big fella though. If I, (laughs) If we could mix, if we could mix our stuff and make it one hockey player, it'd be a hell of a force. <laughs> hell, geez, I think it's too late for us to have a baby. Guy. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks for uh, coming on, and uh, I'm going to hit end to the recording right now because I think that's a good way to stop. If I could figure out how to do it, and thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming on, good buddy. Stuff, buddy. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and I go bands. I'm like Pete's out of town, Zan, Zan. I'm always speaking my mind.